0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast known as Sticky Jazz. I'm your host, Jeremy Hanks, the man of a million different musical opinions, and they happen to all be right. Uh, This week, the pilot episode of the show is going to be the Pride interview that I did with Lola Lennox, the daughter of Annie Lennox. She was ready to play the Pride Festival circuit with some new music that she was releasing, all of which came to an end because of the COVID pandemic. So I got to interview her, talk to her about her new music and some of her experiences there and what she's looking forward to doing. She's quite a remarkable woman with an incredible voice that stands on her own. And you'll find that out when uh, you hear this The first song I'm going to play on this is her single that she just released called Back It Wrong. And then we will go right into the interview. I started the interview actually in mid-word as I hit record that first time. But uh, the rest of the podcast is very interesting. She's an amazing woman to talk to. So listen up, everybody, and do the sticky jazz. We would what everybody has. You uh taking the time to talk. I'm glad that we can uh do this. I
1: thank you for having me. I'm excited to be um on your magazine.
0: Well, this this is the thing. Um I I'm okay, <laughs> this is where I'm gonna sound it's gonna be completely surreal for me because I read about you being born, right? I'm a <laughs> big fan of your mom's, okay. Right, And, um, so I read about you, I was back in high school, I was like, that's really great, it's really cool, and, um, I grew up listening to your mom, my mother is a huge fan of your mom, and all that, so I just, now it's all kind of coming full circle, and I'm talking to you, and when I told the guys at Instinct, hey guys, I'm getting Annie's daughter, uh, for an interview segment, and we're, we're gonna be dropping her single, um, and they about turned Inside Out. So, um, believe me, they are very excited. So, um, but yeah, no, I already went through your catalog. I unfortunately didn't have enough time to really get in and enjoy it. But uh, Roger got me most of it that's up on SoundCloud. But I was listening to your other stuff uh, just for the last little while. And it's mm-hmm. it's fantastic. So...
1: Um, Thank you.
0: But I first heard it. Actually, I didn't know that you had taken to music until I was driving home with my family, and it was on the radio. We were listening to the 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 benefit show, and my mm-hmm. wife was streaming yeah. it. I was like, "Oh my God, she's singing with her daughter. That's so cool!" So there, there we are. And then when they asked if if I wanted to cover you, I I would couldn't believe that I had the opportunity,
1: so... <laughs> oh, that's so sweet of you. <laughs> so,
0: um, and I, I, I will say this, you are not, I mean, y- your voice stands alone. Um, you can hold your own and you're not trying to rest in your mother's shadow and I, I think that's fantastic mm-hmm. because I've heard a lot of musicians who try and write in on their parents on the name and, clearly you you've you've got the talent you and your voice is fantastic okay. um, I told Roger if you and Kate Bush and Florence Welsh were standing on an <laughs> island singing I would crash my boat there when you know I, I would well. I, I
1: just, that would be a fun island for me to be on. I could sing with two incredible singers.
0: Uh, yes, Kate Bush and Florence Welsh, right? I be mean, like, I, yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm a sucker for a good siren, as is, is I would say. Uh, I guess, can I just start with, um, uh, we'll, we'll work our way backwards here, um, you're, you're starting late in the game, and, and they, they explained that you uh, you didn't really want to jump into uh, going public with music anyway until just the last few years. Uh, can I just ask why? I mean, is it like, like yeah. how did it uh, come that you uh, didn't really want to go public with music till recently?
1: It wasn't that I didn't want to go public, it was that I really wanted my music to be at a place that I thought was at its peak. And I felt like when I released something, I wanted to gain a place within me as an artist and me as a writer, but I knew my sound. I I could write like very authentically. And that takes a long time. You know, the 10,000 hours things soul searching and writing and writing and writing and writing and um you know if it if it had come around earlier that would have been you know that would have been you know potentially a favorable thing but you know i didn't want to push anything out of myself that didn't feel genuine and Uh didn't feel like i was at the the best place uh and i knew myself as well as i needed to know myself as an artist so you know, I, I'm coming out now with music because I got to a point where I knew my sound. The songs I was writing all kind of fit together in a co- cohesive, meaningful story of me and representation of me. Um, and yeah, it, it takes it takes some development to, to to fall into a place where you have your own unique sound. It, that's just the harsh reality sometimes.
0: So, there's a word for that in the industry. It's called perfectionist. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that's what you gave us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was... Again, I've just been listening to the demos and just been in awe of that. And I'm like, yeah, well, if, if you had to put that much into it, obviously, yeah, there was so much there to to make those, those songs. And I, I'm, again, just overwhelmed by them. That you so yeah. If if it took you that long to do it, to where you, to where those songs were really a part of you, I guess. Um, Yeah. Wonderful pieces, really. They are. Um, Although I guess you had done the Serengeti bit before this, correct? Before this collection of demos. Yeah.
1: I mean, I've been writing and singing since I was. I've been singing since I was eight, and I've been writing since I was a teenager. So I've been doing. A lot, but it's all been behind the scenes. I haven't been sharing it with people, so it's not like I've just started. And you know, it's, I've I've just fallen into it. It's, it's been a lot of a long, long kind of more personal journey leading up to it. But yeah, with Serengeti, I worked on that um, last year. Uh, Serengeti came out on Discovery and BBC. I did i did the singing for all the animals on that. Um, Will Gregory is the composer and it was a beautiful thing to be a part
0: of. Oh, it's it sounded amazing, yes. I That was easy to access um, on, on the YouTube <clears> and to get that. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. other stuff that they haven't released yet that I'm like, oh, that is so good. Um, and I actually, I just told Roger that some of this I'm going to just, I, I have the whole SoundCloud thing here that I was listening to today, and I'm like, man, I'm going to give mm-hmm. some of this to my wife because I know my wife is going to melt over this, so. <laughs> um, and so I uh, let's see they told me that you did um, I guess that where you live uh, everyone's doing uh, balcony singing right now and, uh, yeah. and, and and they said that you actually heard someone singing your mom's work but you also get out there and sing your own work uh, talk about that just because that's kind of the paradigm that everybody in the world is in right now um,
1: yeah
0: is it, talk
1: about that for a minute. So each Friday, my neighbors put on like a street concert where they just play music through the speakers and everybody on my street come out of their apartment buildings you know, socially distancing, being careful, but um, right. come out to listen and sing and dance. And it's been such a like joyful uh, weekly occurrence. Like everyone loves it. You know, we're all cooped up inside at the moment. So it's a really, like, it's just a special moment each week, but, um, one day I was stood on the balcony and they played Sweet Dreams. So I FaceTimed my mom and she was on FaceTime with me watching everybody singing Sweet Dreams and it was like, it was surreal, but it was amazing.
0: <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, that's my mom there, right? Um, yeah. And and so, have you performed on the balcony at these concerts, by the way, um,
1: is it just not not. i'm just having fun like listening to their songs like singing along like it's all like big often like 80s anthemic songs it's not my stuff but Uh, i'm I'm definitely partaking in it and singing and dancing like an idiot you know all (laughs) right friday night no one else can go out these days so that's that's the best it gets that's all you can do
0: yeah um yeah well, I mean, for us, when like it, whenever it's somebody's birthday party, we have drive-by parties now, and everyone gets in their car and they drive by mm-hmm. and they honk and and they they hand out birthday presents to people, and uh, it's it's a thing now, you know. And but I, I have seen a lot of like you say balcony concerts, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that, that that people do, and um, I, I could imagine that. As well. I mean, where I live, you wouldn't have that. We're just in regular houses in the suburbs. But it sounds really it sounds really neat, and it's the community coming together, which I – that's what Thank we all me. need, you know, in, the, in this time. So um, I guess Roger said that you were hoping to, and it was in the works for you to play some Pride Festivals, and you yeah. didn't. Yeah. Uh, Sorry about that, but I hope that we can at least give you some exposure. Um, uh, just because, I mean, it's Gay Pride, and you're you're yeah. a fabulous voice, and your name is going to perk up a lot of people. And believe me, when when I publish this, everyone's going to hear your song. Okay, they are all going to go nuts over here. <laughs> and I love that. But. Um, have you performed much live to be able to do that, or?
1: Yeah, I mean, before before I talk about playing live, I just want to say like I love Gay Pride, and I I used to live in Boy's Town in West Hollywood, and I I literally just step out of my apartment and and uh, just have fun in Pride each year, and it's, and I, and also just living in Boy's Town was like such a joy. Everyone is like so friendly, so happy, and kind, and just like I love all of the gay community it was i felt really safe and um just out like i was in a lovely neighborhood there so i just like to add that when you touched on pride but talking about live performances yeah i have actually quite a lot of um live experience um a few years ago in la i put together a band and we just kind of did the normal gig circuit um playing maybe like once every two weeks um, you know Hotel Cafe The Roxy Black right. Velvet Rose yeah. and then I've also done a lot of charity events and a few fashion events I performed for Vogue um, in Dubai Italian Vogue did a um, a concert and I performed there I performed Oh my gosh um, you are so
0: gonna they are so gonna go crazy over you
1: <laughs> Well but yeah it, it's been more like private events and I did I did um, when I first moved to LA, I did a performance with my mum. She did a song at the Orpheon Theatre, and I was her backing one of her backing singers, and we did a duet for that as well. But I do, I, I've been playing a lot of low-key gigs in, in uh, LA, and that's also been like writing a way of such development, such an evolution, and such a kind of like, through each gig you get more in tune with how to express and portray the story of a song. Through expression, through body language, and it. And it, it in the, initially, I I was a little more shy. I loved the singing part, but the the performing part was a little harder for me to tune into. But you know, as as I've had more experience, like I I know it. I know it now, and I know how to express, and I can connect deeply with the music, and I just absolutely love it.
0: So it's it's starting to become you to perform like that, I guess. So that's. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you're learning the personality of these songs, because, um, like, the way you're describing them, they become living entities, and and you've got to work your way with Mm -hmm. them. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's that's how you described it uh, earlier, that was how, Mm -hmm. you know. um, So, uh, just doing the the small circuit gig and whatnot, um, I guess... You were, well, I mean, West Hollywood, geez. You were, uh, where did you grow up, actually? Because you have no accent mm-hmm. sounding like your mother. You, you sound nothing like your mom. Um, <laughs>
1: my
0: my dad's yeah. from Glasgow, so I, I know Scottish accents. Okay.
1: okay. So w- Yeah, I grew, I grew up in London.
0: Okay. Because, I mean, I'm like, that is so not a Scottish accent. <laughs> so, anyway. Um,
1: no, no. My mom's lived in London since she was 17 years old, so...
0: But she still has... There's still a lot of strong Scottish in her. Very, very strong in that, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, for the LGBTQ community, just... I I suppose you just kind of grew up with it all around you, because your mother being the activist that she is... Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't say what she still is... Um, I remember growing up uh, and, and listening to your mom and being in elementary school. I was like nine years old, ten, you know, and, and there was, you know, my fandom of your, your mother's work just grew along with her career. And I remember seeing her doing, you know, just even at the time were very gutsy things for an artist to be doing. But, you know, man, people would just look at it and say, oh, that's just a, a singer saying something about it, you know, whatever, don't pay attention to them. But your mom kept bringing it to the forefront. So, I, mm-hmm. I guess that for you, you kind of grew up with it in your face and saw it as very normal, uh, you know, LGBTQ people were everywhere and they were accepted and loved, Um so I guess for you Probably moving to West Hollywood Didn't seem at all a culture shock
1: No, no I mean I've always grown up to disrespect Each individual Whoever they are Whatever background they have Like as equals And uh, you know Just see the world compassionately And not the, the There's never, never been A lens of separation Or, or judgment I'm always just, I'm just open to whoever you are and want every, each person to feel free and just be themselves and celebrate themselves. Um, yeah, and I, I grew up with, you know, family, friends who were gay, friends at school. I, I don't think I knew it at the time that they were gay, but, you know, I, I, it, it doesn't even come into the equation for me it's, uh, in terms of like, I, I don't think about it. Everyone's human and I love each person I'm, I'm friends with. Because,
0: see, for so many of us, we grew up with the stigma around it being a Mm -hmm. bad thing or a shameful thing, and I I, I can see that even by your upbringing, that you were probably taught at a very young age that this is fine, this is normal, you love people. And uh, And
1: I grew up in London, which is a metropolitan city, so, and I, you know, I went to very progressive school, like, I never felt there was... uh, I didn't grow up in a place where otherness via sexuality is encouraged like I grew up in a you know London has people from all walks of life so I'm just used to people being authentically themselves so and I'm so grateful for that because I know that a lot of uh, people who who may be gay or people who may not be gay and it's just coming from their, their sense of the world have grown up in surrounded by people who feel that sense of separation and are not quite as empathetic and understanding and it's, it's a shame that it can come down to geography and it can and it can come down to a lack of education and a lack of communication
0: mm-hmm. right I mean, well i, I look at it, yes how you just said it. i mean you were very blessed to be raised <laughs> in that situation um to, yeah, I mean, it, okay, geographically, sure, London is very open, and you you would have that. But also, I guess in your family, in your immediate circles, it was probably not even an issue to to, to work no. or to, to talk about it's Just that's how it was. Um, yeah, because yeah. you know, so many other places, it, it's not like that. And I, mm. I guarantee you, I know so many young kids. I, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I don't know if they told you that. Where, mm-hmm. there's, yeah. there's, I mean, so like where there's there's I'm in Salt Lake where there's a huge stigma about mm. you know, they still say that being gay is a choice be, you know, the, the religion here mm. so oh, being gay is a choice and it's wrong it's evil, it's a sin, blah 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 and all these kids are growing up and they're, they're understanding this about themselves, but everything around them still says that they're so bad and evil and we have a very high suicide rate because of that and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm well, I'm on the rampage to bring into that. That's that's part of the reason why you well, and I are talking. You. That's part of the reason why you and yeah. I are talking. I'm like, hey, I'm working to to enrich the LGBTQ community and make the world just a little bit smaller. And mm. well um, connected. But I think that so many kids should like go to West Hollywood, man. <laughs> you know, you'll,
1: well, West, I've uh, I've thought that many times when I lived in West Hollywood, and I thought so many of these guys here have moved to to LA maybe from somewhere like Utah or you know in the middle America where they've been bullied at school maybe their parents didn't accept it and it, and I was like oh my god it just seems so unfair but then that, that, that they would have to feel like that if they came from those circumstances but then I would like look around and everyone was so, I could see how tight knit of a community it was and how um, close everybody seemed to be and I was like oh I feel like these people here have maybe found their place and found that acceptance that they were looking for when they were growing up, and that that made me feel encouraged.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've always... I, I wish that these kids can realize it'll get better, just wait till you can go someplace. Yeah. Because if you go to West Hollywood, if you go to Silver Lake, you know, you go to these places where... It's not that people don't care, they're indifferent, but they will love you and accept you because that's who you are. Um, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: But eventually, now, now, don't get me wrong, I look forward to seeing you perform at Pride, I really do. But eventually... <laughs>
1: next year.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, next time, yeah. But oh, so,
1: fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> but, I, I, like, I, I have a friend, he's, he's uh, big in the community here in Salt Lake, and, and the joke is, I said, you know, one of these days we'll get to the point where we won't have pride because nobody cares, right? Mm. Nobody will care that somebody's gay. You don't need to be proud of being gay because you're just gay. Nobody cares, and it's just we are a, a people. Mm. And, and he said, oh, no, we'll still have gay pride because we know how to throw a party. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yes. So, um... You know how to throw a party, and you
1: know how to dress well. That is for sure. Oh, like. Yes. Pride is such a, the best people watching. Like everyone's dressed in these crazy colors and gemstones, and like it's so it's so fun.
0: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, two two points on that. My wife says she wishes I was just a little bit gay, um, so I can at least <laughs> be just a better dresser. So, you know, like my my daughter's my wife. Like <laughs> you can't do that, you know, <laughs> for that. But That's the fun. other is, yeah, ever since my kids could walk even in the stroller I would take them to Gay Pride and we'd march in the Gay Pride Parade and, and my mm. my kids love it and we go every year it's just it's that's family that's what we do and this year we're all kind of scratching our heads because it's not going to happen you know um, mm. but uh, I would love to see you perform at Pride I've, I've watched your YouTube performances um, and, and just your you know where you're just there in your living room playing I'm like God, this girl's amazing. So, I know Pride was where you were hoping to shine this year, um, and bummer, you know. Uh, but we all <laughs> need to stay safe. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna jump into your music now. Um, mm-hmm. Mind you, I said I'm a greedy bastard. If I want everybody's music, if if I like, if it's out there, I want it. And so I, I said, Roger, I gotta have it, and he gave me your demos, and. They're good. I wish I had more time to have really dived into them but let me start with back at wrong okay um, mm-hmm. This is the only piece that I found that has that, that, that has your mom's kind of influence or sounds to it. It's kind of funny because you'll be singing it and you'll you'll pull a couple of licks here and there that I would think, oh, that is so Annie, and then you s- switch it out and go in a different direction. And I feel like I'm being yeah. teased the whole time. It's great, right? It's great. But I'm like, oh, that's really good. That's really familiar. Ooh, wow, where'd we go with that, you know? And that was really fun. It's 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 a fabulous song, but it's it's one that, you know, if I if I wasn't a fan of your mother's, I wouldn't have been paying attention as much to the licks, but I'm like, oh, I'm hearing Annie in that, and then, woo, we're off somewhere else. Um, wonderful song. Talk about that one for a minute. What's it about? Uh, um, because you, you told me how much you, you put into writing a song. Let's hear it. Let's have that
1: one. Sure. Um, so, Back actually the next single that I'm going to be releasing. Oh, cool. Um, All right. Yeah. So, it's about, it's the push and pull of a toxic relationship. It's like, you love somebody and you laugh after them but you know it's wrong and you're arguing all the time so it's got this on and off push and pull like back and forth feeling to the momentum of the music um uh-huh. it is i love the blues and it's definitely i i could kind of describe it as bluesy poppy with a little touch of rock in there but i said blues pop
0: well, I I, I say dopamine's I think got most of the blues in it. I'll get to dopamine in a yeah.
1: second.
0: That's your blues number. But anyway, go go back to back it wrong here.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, back it bluesy pop, um, and it has. I mean, my mom's done bluesy pop, so maybe that's why you're hearing it. And I think, you know, I'm I'm I've always tried to be, you know, authentically me. But the way that someone's voice speaking voice might sound like their parents or their eyes might look like their parents. It kind of filters through so there's there's touches where you hear her, but it's, then it yeah, it comes back to me.
0: I hear your mother's lower you know how when, when your mom can go really low in the Andro zone? Right? Mm-hmm. That's where I hear your mom the most in when you sing. I don't usually no, I, I hear your mom's like licks in that one. But when when you right. go kind of low, that's where I'm like, okay, she because your mom's andro voice, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where she just goes, yeah, and oh, it's phenomenal. But that's like one of her signature, you know, in in all in her fantastic work. And then I'm like, wow, she's got that too. So that's something to be proud of. But you don't mm. you don't use it all the time. But uh, that's that was probably like the the one really identifying piece to uh, to to it to say, okay, yes, this is definitely Annie's daughter, but it doesn't sound like you're trying to to sound like your your mother. Um, that's a great song, really. Uh, let's talk about In the Wild and Pale, and then we'll move on to some of the Serengeti stuff here. Um, sure. uh, Pale is coming up. You, It's recorded and released, but you're putting the video out for it, correct? Yeah,
1: so... Pale, I wrote Pale a little while ago. It's about a period in my life where I lost someone really close to me um, and going through that grief and trying to live in life again after going through a sudden change like that. It's processing and it's a kind of a a tuning into those questions of what happens (laughs) when someone goes and getting in touch with that existential and that uh, transient uh part that all of us have to experience at some point in our lives whether it's you know everyone has to lose someone close to them but because because it's about that with everything that's going on with coronavirus and all the ripple effects of that and how people are losing family members or family people are getting sick or losing their jobs or maybe losing their apartments you know everyone's having to adapt and deal with certain losses In different ways so I thought I think people might really connect with Pale right now so I pushed to release it um, earlier than I would have and um, it was I'm so happy to have done that because I've been receiving really beautiful messages from people who are struggling at home in isolation in whatever way they may be and saying that it's brought them some comfort so that's been a really beautiful experience for me to share with people and the video I obviously we're all on lockdown so i couldn't shoot a professional video so i was like all right how do i get resourceful with this so my boyfriend shot me um just on our ca- like digital camera at home um, and we wanted to encompass both the meaning of the song when i wrote it the transient feeling of there's there's other there's an otherworldly quality to it with um, okay. sky and light effects and also i wanted to depict life on lockdown, so there's images of the normal, the seemingly small things that we're doing day-to-day whilst we're in our apartments. you know, drinking tea in the morning, looking out the window, you know, like those small little details of the day, um, so it, it's a kind of an amalgamation of those two um, points.
0: So, okay, because that's... It was... I, mean, I read that, but I needed you to say that for this piece. I, mean, I read most of what you had said there. So you you made it. It became very current. Uh, was was all of this going on when you wrote the song uh, the uh, the COVID nineteen or did it just no. coincide? So it no. coincided. You wrote this about grief and about losing yeah. somebody, and then it became very it it, it, it became current to the current situation. Um, I I think that's wonderful, and and I honestly hope that you haven't lost anybody to this. Um, no, crossing my fingers, I've had a lot of people who've gotten it, but I haven't lost anyone yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah. But uh, that is kind of the song that the world is going to need. Um, obviously, um, uh, let's move on to uh, the wild. Let's...
1: In the wild. So... In the wild. So, in the wild, was released in February. Uh Um, It was about processing like a complicated time in my life where I felt stuck. Um, I was with somebody that it wasn't working, and I was definitely trying to make it work. And I thought I had this desire to go to nature and like just kind of cleanse away the the negativity and I'm very connected to nature uh, and I, I, I love just being immersed in it. So it was a commentary on how powerful nature is and how it can heal you and heal uh, the difficult times that we all go through. I shot a music video for it with uh, Natalie Johns, um, which was an amazing experience. Um, we wanted to depict that kind of what I've just said um, through through the video. So there's like some very cold more sterile scenes and then it slowly transcends into these whimsical ethereal scenes of nature.
0: Well, the, the use of the color, uh, you know, there you are, you're climbing the trees. There was the, 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 mm-hmm. what's the word? Juxtaposition. Sorry. The, mm-hmm. of yeah. you yeah. up against everything you were in the, you know, the sparkly, um, God, I'm really at a loss for words here, <laughs> but there you were up against the, the, the tree you were climbing that, um, the look on your face was very intense and it wasn't like I'm in pain or whatever, but it was, it was, I'm, I'm very in this experience and almost like you're looking at us like, what are you doing here? Kind of. Um, well, that was what I got out of watching it. it was kind of like, you're not surprised that we're there seeing you in this situation, but you were looking at us like, uh, like, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. Um, that was what um, I got out of it But uh, if there was something different Go ahead and tell me um, It was it was a very, very good video
1: as well I guess it You know, all songs Are depictions of feelings And, and experiences in, in your life That are very intimate and personal So maybe as a viewer Looking in to something That is so intimate And such a close uh, expression Maybe it can feel like that
0: Okay, Because, I mean, I, I was very impressed with it. It's like, wow, that... Um, Thank you. Um, and I, I got the kick out of uh, the Everybody Wrong... Eh, ah, the Tears for Fears cover. Um, <laughs> again, I grew up listening to them. They're a fabulous band. That's kind of the one song that I've heard too much. And so, I, 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 whenever it comes on the radio, or whatever, I'll just kind of not... And then you really did yeah. a good take on it. That was fantastic. I was
1: yeah, I wanted to make it my own. So. Well, it you definitely did a little
0: bit. Uh, you definitely <laughs> did. It's, it's not that it's a bad song. It's just one that I heard too many times. "By Tears for Fears," right. and so mm. uh, but I
1: think it's a really the production of that song when you when I heard it before I dug into it when I learned the cover. I thought it was a happy kind of song and like a fun, like, you know, you bop your head along to it while you're listening, while you're driving your car. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the, okay. the lyrics are actually incredibly profound. Like, it's a real commentary on life and on, like, the constructs of society and what we're all doing. It's very, like, philosophical, actually. So I was like, let's let's slow it down and make it more slow paced so that people can hear, hear the lyrics. hmm
0: well, there was that, but um, I think that because Tears for Fears, and, and this is, again, why, why I'm, I, I can appreciate you revisiting it now after they did it, right? Because tier, when Tears for Fears did that, that album, they pumped out several singles and they were all hits, all one right after another, and a lot of people glossed over them. And people mm-hmm. will look at it as to going, yeah, that was on the album with "Shout," that was on the album with "Mother's Talk," you know, and and with "Head Over Heels," and the ones that were always getting played. And people will just kind of gloss over, going, "That was Tears for Fears," and not really giving it a good listen to anymore, myself included, just because I'd heard mm-hmm. it so much. But yeah, your mm-hmm. your take on it was, it was, I was impressed. I was like, wow, she really, she really brought something new and fresh to it after hearing it so many times and not usually being interested in listening to it so i was um (laughs) that was really well done um thank you and then uh the uh the i don't care (laughs) that was kind of
1: uh,
0: i I know you're probably just kind of just playing around but um yeah what, what made you pick that song
1: it went, it came out that day, and I just thought, you know, this song's cool. Like, let's let's have a little sing-along to that song, because it had just come out. Um, it wasn't, you know, I actually prefer... I, I haven't done that many YouTube covers, so, you know, that was the first one, and I was just like, yeah, let's just play around.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I prefer the Waterfalls and, um, Pears for Fears, personally. I kind of forgot that that one was up there.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, the Waterfalls one was good. I was going to move on to that one, um but uh it's just i mean because okay I'm, I'm not trashing on your taste but i'm like okay here you are you're so talented obviously you were raised in a musical family you can write amazing work um justin bieber you know that was <laughs> it was fun it was good but i was like wow that's just kind of yeah. like you know um just not one that you would you would take seriously but um yeah.
1: i just thought it was fun
0: yeah, so obviously you, you, you do things. You have a good laugh at what you're doing. You you enjoy just, I mean, you're not making music just for the sake of, oh, I have to write a song because it's in my soul. It's going to kill me if I don't write it. You are having fun. Um,
1: but it's a bit of both, I'd say.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, you, you know, so, yeah. Uh, sometimes you just say, I want to play that song, and I get it. Um, but, uh, yeah. so... At the moment when you uh, when you got to perform with your mom, that was the first time I heard you sing. Actually, was mm-hmm. at uh, the the One World, and we were driving in the car, and my, my wife was streaming it, and I, that was what really kind of was. And it, well, that was an amazing moment. I was like, "Wow, that is very powerful." You know, I mean, when the Rolling Stones got up there and sang, "You can't always get what you want." you know, each of them from their own house and everything, Um, that was great but then this I I was just overwhelmed to hear you singing there, so powerful with your mother and still you know, just very much you in that Um, uh, talk about that for a minute, talk about that experience, talk about how you came to picking that song, just go for it tell me what you got there yeah
1: I mean, it was a huge honor to be part of that experience, mainly for what it was supporting to be, you know, everyone in the world is unanimously going through such a time of crisis right now and to feel part of something that was first of all, shining a light on stories of the health workers. When I was watching it, there was so much personal um footage from around the world of healthcare workers, which was like, it it just, it moved me so deeply. And second of all, just to be on something that had this crazy big roster of, you know, Lady Gaga, Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder, like uh, everyone, it just it went on and on. So that was amazing. Um, And then also, obviously, to sing with my mom was a really special moment for the both of us. Um, We wanted something that would move people and would make them... Bring a little bit of joy to their days because obviously we're all going through this very like isolated period where no one's really seeing anybody else, so music has a power to to lift people's spirits, and there must be an angel in particular' such a like wonderful and melodic and um joyful song, so we thought it would um it would make people happy to hear it and you know it was just it was so it was so lovely for us to be able to sing it together' it was one of my favorite uh rhythmic song so i was i was really happy to perform it in a very unconventional way (laughs) on the phone
0: (laughs) yeah i I was gonna say that would have been like uh uh um yeah that would have been amazing to have i mean like okay i'm singing into my phone for something this big you know um but that was that was pretty cool too but watching everybody do that was was just kind of funny that i was like man like you know everyone's just singing into their phone. I that
1: <laughs> it was so charming though because it kind of brought everybody back to like an equal footing and uh, it was it was something really humbling for for everybody watching ab- about it where it was like god we're all going through this 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 time together mm-hmm. you know and it's like just seeing people like in their in their living rooms in their sweatpants, there was something really like um, it, it brought. It felt like it brought the world together a little bit.
0: Well, like okay, like I looked back at Live Aid, and I'm sure you know the story of Live Aid, mm-hmm. right? Where where but mm-hmm. Bob Geldof told a similar story from what you told. He saw everything in the front line of the famine and the death and everything yeah. that's going on in Africa, and. Thus, he, he brought everybody together to do all of that, and he, he did it out of, you know, like, I need to do this because, you know, everybody could live, everything is great here in Europe, but then people are starving just a thousand miles away. And so that was his first, you know, and that was, that was a remarkable experience for him to have done that, and looking at how Lady Gaga did the same thing and brought this whole thing together... Was funny because you know Bob Geldof, he's filling the stadiums and Wembley and all that, and here it's everyone's in their house, <laughs> they're singing yeah. over the phone. I mean, it was so cool that technology has gotten us to that place. Yeah, you know, that's true. And I, so, um, mm-hmm. like you said, that was very charming. Yes, and and um, I I I'm glad that you know there you were, you were able to kind of i mean be seen that way doing it that way i mean it must have just been a very emotional moment for you to have performed in front of so many people where you couldn't see them you know (laughs) i mean that's that's, yeah surreal yeah because you were there knowing that that everyone was watching and everyone was listening but you couldn't see anybody that was there that would have been uh (laughs) yeah surreal at best um so, um, let's see, you can't really speak about a tour because we don't know when the world's going to stop coming to an end, um, but mm-hmm. do you plan on putting one together once things loosen up?
1: I mean, yeah, of course, like once once things loosen up, I, you know, I'll be releasing more music over the year and hopefully just, you know, growing and sharing and reaching more people and listeners and you know and making people smile through my music i hope even if it's not even if it's through speakers um but once everything resumes and hopefully you know people can start going back to concerts that would be something that i would definitely be doing performing okay.
0: so uh, a tour you hope and definitely we'll be seeing you somewhere at pride so at, at some pride
1: <laughs> as well
0: when that opens up um so, like that. well, I'm, I'm hoping to, I mean, hey, if if you're playing, you know, L.A. Pride or if we can get you here in Salt Lake, man, I'd, I would love <laughs> that. I'd be, you know, Aww. but even if you're, no, not just Pride, a regular tour, I would love to have you playing here as well. Just
1: Thank you. It,
0: it, I don't know if you'd be able to bring the whole brass band that you, you did with Dopamine, whatever. I mean, that was a <laughs> hell of a production, but that would be a great show to see. Um. So, uh, I guess in in your situation, what you grew up in and how you viewed the world is very different and, and you see it there where you are in West Hollywood, um, I ask everybody this question and so I'm going to see how different yours is from everybody else. Um, what would your message be to the young gay kid who is in the closet, who's afraid to come out, who's who's terrified, who's hurting, who and, and they're they're in that vulnerable situation. What would your message be to that kid?
1: There's nothing to be ashamed of. You are you should love love yourself, accept yourself. It's gonna get easier. You will find your tribe of people who you resonate with, um, and you're a wonderful person
0: so yeah okay see i ask everybody that and i get a lot of great answers uh no there's no wrong answer obviously but because everybody's different have different experiences um mm-hmm. yours is that was a pretty cool answer nothing to be ashamed of um okay so i'm going to stop recording now uh i And everybody, thank you very much for listening. That was the first pilot episode of the show Sticky Jazz. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Jacques Hinks, and that was with Lola Lennox. She had done this interview with me right before Pride, and it wasn't meant to be played live, but it was such a great interview. I did have to do some splicing around with it. So I appreciate your patience with that, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Special thanks to Global Music Radio, and another shout-out to Barry Andrews and Carl Marsh of Shriekback for letting us use the theme. The theme is Sticky Jazz off of the album Big Night Music by Shriekback, and give those guys a listen to. And everybody have a wonderful week. Thank you. 不啊 <laughs>
1: the cruel immersion to do, do yeah. the flaming tub to do, do the holy mashup something for everyone to do, do the fiery furnace to do, do the sticky jazz to do,
0: do the holy motion Ooh.